0: Alright, I want to turn to Proverbs chapter ten, please. Proverbs chapter ten and eleven tonight. The tenth chapter of Proverbs introduces the main section of Proverbs. It goes from chapter one to chapter twenty two sixteen if you take the division of the sayings of the wise men. If not, you would go all the way to chapter 25. Um, I dealt with that in the, in the introductory study. Um, you can look at that. So there is no longer any lengthy discourses or admonitions here or exhortations to seek wisdom. This new section consists of 375 proverbs or aphorisms, as they call them, uh, two-line couplets of wisdom. They go together, brief, pithy, and for the most part, independent from one another, But not always. There are some sections that seem to kind of correlate with each other. Uh, And um, men have tried different ways to divide them and all that. There's no real consistent way to divide. Um, The study continues to go more that way. But um, there's a section like Proverbs 16, verse 1 through 9 that that section relates to the Lord Yahweh. And it's very evident. You'll see the repetition. You have catchwords. In chapter 16, verse 10 through 15, it's related to the king. That will be the catchword. And there will be many things like that, and we'll point them out as we go along. Um, But we're not really interested in making these couplets like that. We're going to take them individually. We'll make some references to that. So these proverbs are not sourced in human wisdom about problems in life, but rather divine proverbs directly... um, to the believer, to live by wisdom of God and in holiness, as the first nine chapters told us. The couplets from chapter 10 here, verse 1 to 1533, are mostly antithetical. In other words, they contrast the wise and the wicked and the righteous, um, the unrighteous, the wise and the fool. Um, We'll see that. And the couplets from chapter 16 verse 1 to 2216, are largely parallel to these. Um, One commentator said only 33 of the 191 of these couplets are expressed in contrasting lines. And so uh, you'll see that this first section has a little bit more of the contrasting, but you'll be able to pick that up. Um, and most of these couplets are synonymous parallelism. They parallel with each other. Sometimes they're chiastic. They begin with the word here. This one points to this one. That's why it's, it's broken up the way it is on a good Bible. So you can see the crisscross chiastic thing. And then you have the parallel of the thought building upon a thought. Sometimes it's two, sometimes three lines. It could even go to four lines. And so, um, one put it this way topical arrangements suggest suggested are neither fully definitive nor fully adequate because no one can agree on them and everybody can see something that connects. A proverb, remember, does not debate or argue. Its purpose is to not explain a matter but rather give a precise expression of truth for life to capture the mind and the heart of the simple and the wise individual. And so the purpose of Proverbs is to give wisdom. We saw that in chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. The word wisdom appears 39 times in Proverbs. Ten words are used to describe the process and the fruit of wisdom, synonymous to wisdom in the first four verses of the first chapter, if you remember that message. The culminating theme in that is in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so let's begin here with chapter 10, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. The title repeats again for the second time. Solomon's the author. You will find it the third time in chapter 25, verse 1. Now, the proverb is antithetical, a contrast. The son's choice in his formative years and his decisions in life. They will... Um, affect a family. We Think of right here with Solomon, Rehoboam and Solomon, what a contrast. Um, David and his son um, Absalom, the heartbreak, decisions that come. There's a big difference on how men and women respond and are affected by a child's conduct. Fathers deal with it one way and respond a certain way, mothers, a whole different thing. We're two individuals, completely different. And that's why the expression here that um, he makes his father glad, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Now, verse 2 of 10, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness is more valuable than gain by evil. Money will not deliver one in the hour of judgment. Righteousness delivers from eternal death. And so when a lot of the Proverbs are dealing with, um, with um, death or with uh, living, we're talking about the ultimate end of judgment in that many times, okay, from death. Um, This proverb is antithetical as a contrast. And so, verse 3, the Lord Yahweh will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. So God will provide the desire of, of the godly. He will meet the needs of the righteous With all the difficulties of life, you and I are evident of that in many ways. Depending on how many years you walk with God, how he's provided for you, what he does, the doors that he opens up as you pray, as you honor him, and all of that. But he casts away the desire of the wicked to live unfaithful and unfulfilled to an extent, unsatisfied. So they strive, 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 but they never seem to get there, if you will. Think of um, um, Jacob as he is um, desiring wheat. There's famine in the land. And God's put Joseph over in Egypt. And he sends his son, and God provides for them. And many others that came to Joseph. Verse 4 He who has a slack hand becomes poor but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A lazy person becomes poor. That's not a brainer. (laughs) It's easy, okay? But the diligent, hard worker, he's financially okay. He can even become wealthy. And so it's a choice in life, and many of these um, proverbs that we see is a decision that people make. You make them based on your godliness or your ungodliness. That's the contrast throughout the Proverbs. And so the proverb is antithetical. It's a contrast here, as you can see. Verse 5 says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So the son who seizes the opportunity to work in harvest is an insightful wise son. But the lazy one who's idle, he brings shame to his parents and himself. There's an opportunity when jobs are there. If you need to work, you take the job, regardless of what it is. Today, that's not so. The government has destroyed the work ethic and given money to everybody, so nobody wants to work anymore. And if they do, they want to get $100 an hour and do a minute's work. So it's a whole different world, but the principle still stands. And so uh, the Proverbs have much to say about lazy people. Uh, Solomon didn't like them very well. Neither does God. If you don't work, you don't eat, Paul told the Thessalonians. And they were a great example of benevolence, as we'll see some of these Proverbs, uh, as they gave of themselves first and then uh, for the poor saints of Jerusalem. This proverb is antithetical again in contrast. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, this one in contrast. And this is um, this one right here, and the previous proverb are related by lazy and hard work, in case you see the connection. In uh, verse 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The righteous reaps good things in life, but the wicked mouth is full of cruel, damaging words. We think of Esther, think of Haman. There's so many examples uh, in the Bible, as well as in our own lives, we know people. Some of them our own family members, some of them our friends, or some of them that we used to hang out with. Proverbs is antithetical again in contrast. And in verse 7 now, the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The godly character of the righteous is remembered. It's spoken well when they're thought about. But the name or the fame of the wicked will soon be forgotten. It disappears. It's gone. In fact, when they die, we'll look at a proverb and say, Thank God he's gone. Everybody rejoices. and So the proverb is antithetical in contrast again, and this proverb and the previous one are related by an evil and righteous character. In verse 8, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a in fool will fall. The wise in heart, his godliness, takes hold of God's word, He believes that he applies that he lives that he walks with God, but the fool with his vain words will be cast away. So God honors his word in the heart of men. The proverb is antithetical, it's a contrast again. In verse 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. So the person who lives by godly character is safe in life. He's not doing anything that's adding to his hurt. There's always risk in a fallen world, a sinful world, but if you're godly, you, you remove yourself from a lot of the turmoil by where you live, how you live, and the choices you make. But the one who perverts his manner of life will be discovered sooner or later. It's just a matter of time. Again, the proverb is antithetical, a contrast here. In verse ten, he who winks with his eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. The person who winks, he can't be trusted. He's scamming. He, hey, he thinks he's cool, an opportunist, and will bring hurt and sorrow. A babbler will be thrust away, and so the proverb is a comparison. This proverb in verse eight and nine are related by the conduct of the wise and the fool. In verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The words of the righteous, the bless. there's a blessing, benefits, first to themselves and to others. But the mouth of the wicked brings cruelty and injustice to others. Again, the contrast here, antithetical. In verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Hate causes contention and strife, divides people, pits people, but love for others conceals all sin. The proverb is antithetical. A contrast again. But love here is not permissive. It's not condoning to sin. It's not saying, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. But in view of repentance, when someone has confided in you, and we'll look at some of these proverbs also about concealing things, and they've repented they've confided in you, and now you know they're repentant, you don't go blab it everywhere. You cover it because it's already forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you're opening your mouth and slandering people or gossiping, then you're a destroyer. Peter quotes this, 1 Peter 4 eight. James 5.20 says basically the same thing. Love covers a multitude of sins. When there's repentance, When there isn't, we confront that they repent. We pray for them. That they may be saved or forgiven. Verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. But a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. So the discerning and discreet godly person will speak wise words. He's wise, he's, he's adding good to people, he's making right decisions, He's, he's letting God's word direct them, but the, the, the fool here, the rod is for the back of him who's devoid of understanding. It's for correction. He's not willing to do the right thing. He's not godly. He, he, he's busted all the time. He needs to be confronted all the time. There's consequences. Proverbs, antithetical again, a contrast, as we said, the majority of this section are. In verse 14, wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. So the wise person treasures, he hides God's knowledge to speak and make wise decisions. He's studying, he's praying, he's advancing, and he's He's got this resource to when the situation comes, when the problems come, or whatever, the need may come. But the words of the fool ruin him and people sooner or later. And so this proverb, in one in verse 11, 12, and 13, are related by the condition of the heart revealed by the words. And you'll see a lot of the uh, proverbs deal with the lips, the mouth, the heart. Verse 15, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The wealthy of and rich individual protect is protected by his money. Gives him security, a fortress, if you will, fortified city. The walls around it. No one can advance it, penetrate the city. But the ruin of the poor is financial poverty. They have no nothing to lean back on. You stop by stop and think about this, this theft that the Governor Newsom has committed against Californians with the gas prices of 400, 700, 900 dollar bills. Do you think he cares? Evil. Absolutely evil. He has money. He can pay whatever, which I'm sure he didn't pay that high. But the common person that's making ends meet just week to week. They have to feed their kids, put gas in the car, drive to work. That's huge. Totally criminal. But the world's always the same. Even in the tribulation, the oil and the wine is never touched, it's not affected. The oil and the wine is wealthy. It always happens. During World War II, Rockefeller was having stake. During World War II, Rockefeller was selling oil to Hitler through Franco in Spain. Nothing ever changes. Interesting. The proverb is antithetical here, a contrast. Verse 16, the labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked to sin. Pretty clear. these don't need much exposition the reward of hard work of the righteous leads to a life that's beneficial you reward by choice again it doesn't happen automatically but income gained by wickedness leads to sin it brings ruin to the individual and ultimately affects so many many others again the Proverbs and antithetical contrast here. Verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. The individual who obeys and learns from instruction and discipline is on the way to a godly life. But he who rejects reproof wanders off to his own devices he goes into air he refuses to listen he knows better than god this is a choice and each person will influence others in their life that's why there's such a heavy responsibility on the on the man the head of the home for he will affect his wife his children as the head of the home, the priest of the home, spiritually, to take care of them financially, to provide things for them. And it's on him to wait. And so the greater responsibility the scriptures give us very, very clear. Verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life. I'm sorry, I just read that one. Same one. Verse 18 Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. The person attempting to conceal his malicious lying is hypocrisy, and one who speaks lying words is a fool. The the word hypocrite in the Greek comes from the theater, the smile and the frown. A person would put a mask over their face to portray someone different than themselves. That's what a hypocrite is. You're acting. False rumors to malign a person and their character, character assassination. This happens in the world and it happens in the church. It happens with non-believers and it happens with Christians who are carnal. We have a sin nature still, we have to be careful. Verse nineteen in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who refrains his lips is wise, so a person that cannot control their tongue Spews out sinful words. Some people just have to talk, 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 and the one they talk you just it's just nervous talk, it's just chattering. It's, it's aimless. And sometimes the more people talk, the deeper hole they dig. But the person that cannot control or can't control their tongue, keeping it in a check, they're wise. We're to think before we speak. We're to be discreet on who we're talking to, who's the people around it, what's the location having discretion and wisdom, very important. The proverb is antithetical again, a contrast. How many people have been destroyed by the tongue and young girls and women have a greater proficiency in this? It's very, very evident. The scriptures give us that thing in James chapter 3, 1 through 12, He speaks about the tongue, the whole chapter. He deals with the tongue in every chapter. Paul deals with the pastoral epistles about gossiping, women running from house to house. I mean, if you want to count the words, women speak twice as much as men automatically. My wife always tells me, I like the way you answer. She calls me, she texts me, she says, you coming home? I go, yep. Now, if I asked her, are you coming up here? She goes, yeah, but first I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to come over here and everything else. Two different people just the way it is. Little girls can articulate a lot better than little boys. We're different, men and women, male and female. It doesn't mean one is inferior to the other. It means they're complements. God has made that very, very clear. And so, verse 20 of chapter 10, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. So, the words of the righteous are more valuable than silver. The evil intent of the heart of the wicked is very little worth. Worthless, actually. Silver represents redemption in the scripture. The Proverbs, antithetical, another contrast. Verse 21 The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. So, the lips of the righteous spiritually nourish and benefit many people. But fools perish having or speaking no wisdom at all. It's the word of God that is able to uh, allow us to be a stepping stone or uh, um, some kind of vehicle to better other people's lives to help them. Without the word of God, what do we have to give? Absolutely nothing. Again, our words have much power to build up or to destroy. The proverb again, antithetical, contrast. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord Yahweh makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So the blessings of God is what truly makes us rich despite the normal difficulties of life. He doesn't add to it. In fact, since you and I have come to the Lord, our life is really blessed. The normal things of life, he gives us the wisdom to deal with him, the strength, the understanding, and we're blessed to see him work. Where before we were Christians, we had to do it all on our own. And then we responded wrong and added to our hurt because we weren't wise in the Lord. And so the proverb is completive. It completes the thought called synthetic parallelism when the second line agrees, amplifies, or completes the first line by supplementing the original thought of the first line, the second, or if there's the third. Verse 23, to do evil is like sport to a fool but a man of understanding has wisdom to do evil is like laughter to a fool he enjoys it he takes pleasure in it many of us were in the world and when we ran around we were like that just enjoyed corrupting people everybody had a good laugh The fool has no reference point of accountability to God. One day, for all he has done, he will have to give an accountability. Very dark day. The proverb, again, antithetical, a contrast. In verse 24, the fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. The dread of the wicked will eventually come upon him on earth and in eternity. Evil people do not have a clear conscience. Now they can not get to a place where nothing bothers them. But for the most part, they know what they've done and they always have to look over their shoulder. They always have to be watching. And the longer you live, the more you're involved, the worse it gets. So here as well as eternity and the godly desires of the righteous will be given to them. You think of the evil, Herod, Judas. You think of the godly, John the Baptist. This is in this life and at death that it's talking about. So, this proverb is completive. It amplifies or supplements the original thought. Verse 25: When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. So, the wicked are removed by God as as his judgment through natural disasters at times, but the righteous has an eternal foundation. Many natural catastrophes happen. Sometimes there's just normal things. Sometimes God may be involved in it. We just don't know which on this side. We have plenty of evidence in Scripture when God's involved. He tells us. Now this does not mean believers are never struck with... Catastrophic calamities, but we are better equipped to meet them and to pass the test. And we also know we're in God's hands. So the Proverbs is antithetical here, another contrast. Verse 26: As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Some of these Proverbs, they're, they're, they're funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's humor in them, kind of irony. The irritating effect of vinegar on one's teeth and the irritating smoke on the eyes is like a lazy man who is sent to whoever he may be sent. It comes back on them for sending such a lazy person because you sent him to work, but he's lazy. (laughs) So he's irritating to the person that you've sent him to, and now it comes back on you. This is a double simile. Introduced by the word like or as. The lazy man is not a benefit, but rather a painful liability to the progress of work. And one that sends him bears the weight on that. Again, the proverb here is comparative now. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord Yahweh prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The person who fears and reveres the Lord obeying his word is going to have a longer lifespan than if he had not come to Christ. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. So this is a maxim. It's not an absolute promise. The Christian will live longer all the time. But as you look at that maxim, the average believer who repents lives a lot longer than if he wouldn't have repented. It's a different quality of life. The way we think, what we do, all of that. The life of a Christian avoids many of the things that take a person's health away. Smoking, drinking, being sexually permissive. Running around with shady characters. All of that jeopardizes your life. And so the proverb is antithetical here, a contrast. In verse 28, the hope of the righteous will be um, gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So the hopeful expectation of the righteous will be joyous. But that of the hope of the wicked will vanish, come to an end, because they have no real hope. Belshazzar, on the throne, it comes presumptuous with the vessels of the temple. Mini, mini, take your farts and you've been weighed, you've been found wanting, and you're dead tonight. Wow. The righteous is trusting and depending on God. The wicked is trusting and depending on himself, his money, his power, his position. The proverb, again, is antithetical, a contrast. Look at 29. The way of the Lord Yahweh is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. So the Lord will work on our behalf, strengthening the upright, but total ruin and destruction will come on the workers of iniquity. Sometimes not as soon as we would like to see it, (laughs) but God doesn't miss anything. One thing God is for us, not against us. As Romans eight thirty-one through thirty-nine says, the Proverbs antithetical another contrast. In verse thirty, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The righteous will not be shaken through life; they will live in the kingdom. When we come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom, we will be ruling with Jesus in the kingdom. The promise specifically is to the Jew. To them is promised the millennial kingdom. All the land that was promised to Abraham was never occupied, not even in the days of Solomon. It goes all the way up to Lebanon. In the millennial kingdom, it will be handed to the remnant of the Jews for the thousand years. Jerusalem will be the worship center, the governing center of the world the financial center of the world. Get our series on the millennial kingdom. We go through all of that. This proverb is antithetical. Contrast. And so God, God sees all things. He hears all things. He's all present. And he gives these proverbs for us to become wise. Again, he's not arguing. He's not trying to convince. He just, boom, states it. This, this, is, this is the proverb. It's a fact. In verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out once again. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, but the perverse, the consequences, they'll be done away with, punished, the choice of two lives is made available for every person. This proverb is antithetical again. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Again, two different minds, two different hearts, two different lives. The lips of the righteous know clearly what is fitting and pleasing to God because we study the word of God. We meditate upon it, but the wicked do not consider their worthless, perverse words. They're arrogant. They're blind to the things of God. Deaf, blind. And yet God's gospel is the only thing that can transform their heart. It's available to them. The whole Proverbs is to the fool, to the scoffer, to the simple and to the wise. Again, antithetical. Verse 1 of chapter 11, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord Yahweh, but a just weight is his delight. So people would have two sets of weights then, and they're usually, typically, they have stones or something like that measured out, and uh, they would have um, ones that are, if it was five pounds, it would be a little lighter, uh, and then you would use those to buy and then you would have another set that says five pounds, but a little heavier, and that you would sell with that. So you would gain on both ends dishonest weights. Uh, it was a practice of the day. Leviticus 19, 35 through 36. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 15 speaks about it, and many other portions there in the law. The Department of Weight and Balances used to come in. I used to work for Prana Market in the 60s and early 70s. And. Um, the department now uh, had that agency, and they would just come in unannounced. And they would come in with their weights and their measures, and they would set your scales and make sure that you were accurate. And if they weren't balanced right, you would get a fine because you have to have a standard weight for all the United States. I don't think they have that anymore at all. But it's to keep people honest so they're not getting ripped off. This proverb is antithetical again, the contrast. Look at verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. So pride blinds us to our arrogance, bringing dishonor and disgrace. The problem being the heart again. But the believer's humility results in wisdom. Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require you? To walk humbly with the Lord your God. Love mercy to do righteousness. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6 speaks about the same thing. Humble yourself and God will raise you up. He'll lift you up. The proverb antithetical, a contrast. Look at verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. The honest character will guide a person through life, while the perverse character of unfaithful people will bring destruction on them. Sooner or later, no one gets away with anything really before God, but everything sooner or later comes back. Again, the Proverbs antithetical in contrast. Verse 4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. No amount of wealth can benefit a person in the day of judgment. That's the day of wrath. When they stand before God, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You know, when uh, rich men die, they're not bragging in hell about being rich. It's done. doesn't help them at all. The godly are safe from death. we pass from death unto life. Again, a contrast, antithetical here. Verse 5, the righteousness of the, of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. So the godly life believer will direct him in, as he continues to walk in the straight way in godliness through God's word, while the wicked person will fail by his very own Wickedness. He brings it on himself. People live for evil and sin and want everything to be well with them. The proverb again, antithetical contrast. Verse 6 The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. The right living of a believer will rescue them while the unfaithful person will be ensnared by their own evil desires. And the word, one of the possible translations is naughtiness. (laughs) Again, sowing and reaping. Galatians speaks about that. The rescue at times is by God's miraculousness of the believer by his wisdom and sometimes taking us home. We don't know. Proverbs um, 4 through 6 in this verse, is verse 4 through 6 related to my righteousness. Verse 7, when a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish and the hope of the unjust perishes. So the wicked and unjust person, when they die, will perish and their hopeless hope, which is no hope at all, will come to an end being spiritually bankrupt. One is planning, the other one's wishing, but it doesn't matter. And they're always trying to accomplish it, but it doesn't come, and they die, and it's totally gone. The only hope is in Christ Jesus. This is a contemplative proverb, completive of the first line by the second line. Verse 8, the righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked Instead, so the righteous deliver from trouble by his godly living, and at times God intervenes and directs it towards the wicked. He defends us. It might be in a court. It might be in, a, in some family matter. It might be in some neighborhood matter, whatever it may be. And we're praying, God, please intervene. God, help me. Give me the wisdom, whatever it may be. This is a comparative proverb. Verse 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. The hypocrite speaks false things and lies destroying his neighbor. But the righteous by perceptive discernment will be delivered. He understands, he's wise, he sees things. The proverb is antithetical again, contrast. Verse 10, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perishes, there is jubilation. The good things that happen to the righteous person happens to the city. They influence, they affect it. They're overjoyed being people of character, and when evil people die, people are glad. (laughs) The Proverbs comparative. Verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. And so the good influence and benefit of the righteous builds up a community, a city, a home, wherever they may be. But the words of the wicked tear it down because they don't live for others, they live for themselves. The wicked are out for themselves, not the people. The proverb is antithetical in contrast again. And Proverbs verse here, 7 through 11, are related by the righteous and the wicked again. Verse 12, He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. So the person who lacks a wise heart sees his neighbor as insignificant to him. He exalts himself above him, but a man of discretion minds his words. The man void of wisdom fails to realize he's going to live next to this neighbor for years. So they should be on good standings and be there for one another. Especially in those days when there's not that many houses that are close by unless you live in the city. You're out there in the country. The proverb, again, antithetical, the contrast. Verse 13, the tailbell reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. A gossiper reveals private things, but a person of integrity conceals the private matters. You're a person who can be trusted. and someone confides in you, understanding responsibility and the trust that's given to you, some people are not trustworthy. And a person needs to have discretion about who they reveal private matters to, who they speak to, and matters that are of great importance. This proverb, again, is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 14, it says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when people do not get good advice, uh, they're going to get in trouble. Um, but with many advisors, there's protection. Many people don't seek good advice until after the consequences, and more so when you're talking about maybe uh, national leaders in that, you know, a um, multitude of counselors, you know, people that have been around and they're wise, to they make wise decisions. The proverb, again, is antithetical. Verse 15, He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. We've seen this before. Um, in the Proverbs the person who co-signs to stand behind a stranger's debt will regret the cost to him but a person who does not co-sign for another's debt is safe we saw this in Proverbs 6 1-5 through 5. even in family members this can be a very troublesome thing and can destroy family relationships um, because not everybody's upright, and sometimes try to take advantage. The proverb is antithetical, again, a contrast. Verse 16 says, the gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. So, godly women retain the true riches is her honor, but the violent oppressor holds on to the riches gained by evil. The difference is the godly knows the greater riches of honoring God rather than Enriching himself. The problem, again, is antithetical here. A contrast. Verse 17, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. So the man who imparts loving kindness benefits himself first, always. But the man that is cruel to others is adding to his own hurt. People remember when you're kind and people remember when you're cruel. The proverbs antithetical. Verse 18, the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. So the wicked person is dishonest in his work and loses his reward, but the righteous will reap a certain reward because he's doing honest work. He's giving an hour for an hour's pay. He's not trying to have somebody punch him in early. He's not trying to steal stuff from the yard or whatever it may be. This again um, can be in business and helping others um, or in personal relationships especially and men with women. So this proverb is antithetical contrast. Verse 19 as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Every person living godly will live eternally. So the pursuer of evil, he doesn't know, but his ruin will be eternal. Not just here. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, again, sowing and reaping. The spirit gives life, the flesh brings death. This is a comparative parable. Verse 20 says, Those who are of perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord Yahweh, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. What a difference. What a contrast here. The people that are perverse are distinguished, they're a stench to God, abomination, but the godly are his delight. God is holy. He cannot look upon sin with approval or permission. He's the epitome of holiness, Habakkuk 1, verse 12 through 13. Again, the contrast, antithetical. Verse 21, though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the prosperity of the righteous will be delivered. No matter how many wicked people join together, they will be punished by God. But the children of the righteous will be delivered by God from punishment they 're acquitted if they 're born again. Big difference. the evil men in power believe they will never have to give an account of their evil because they do not believe in God yet he will punish them. The proverbs antithetical again verse twenty two as a ring of gold in a swine's snout so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion a pig with a golden gem and its nose it's out of place it's a contradiction just as a beautiful woman that has no discretion they used to wear nose rings today that's in fashion you don't put it on your pig You don't put it on your dog. (laughs) It'd be out of place. This is a comparative proverb. And how often we see this today, the women of our day, in so many ways, they're so out of place in how they conduct themselves, how they speak, how they think, as God has created them in His image, in His likeness, with very specific purpose and function. And so contrary... Verse 23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. The intent of the godly is to do good, but the goal of the wicked is rage. The difference is the transformation of the heart by God. The proverb, again, is antithetical. Verse 24, there is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right but it leads to poverty. This deals with finances. <clears throat> there are gracious, benevolent people that give freely, and God seems to continually provide more for them than those that are tightwads. And through the years talking to contractors, some of the worst people to pay for a job are rich people. They, they, they just don't want to write that check. Or they'll cancel a check. Amazing. Jesus said in Luke 6, 37, 38, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Benevolence, kindness is what he's talking about. Um, Paul deals with also with giving like that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 and he gives the whole principles on giving and that it never should be by force or by pressure but from the heart where we're willing that God is dealing with us and stuff like that and that's why I abhor when churches and radio programs all they do is spend time begging for money and pressuring people and giving sad stories and offering their trashy books why don't you offer Bibles instead of your books The Bible is a first print. Doesn't need interpretation. Just have people read it. And that's God to teach them. God will take care of that. And so the Proverbs antithetical. Verse 25: the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. This again the same principle of providing um, by the previous proverb. Paul shares that again with the Philippians that they gave to him in Philippians 4:11 through 12. And again, in Second Corinthians 8 and 9, he deals with that as the Thessalonians were so gracious. This again is um, a completive parable there. Verse 26, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. So the people will despise the person that refuses to sell grain or provide grain because he's cruel and greedy. He's hoarding us so he can jack prices up maybe or just being cruel. But blesses is the one who sells them. We look at Joseph again. He opened up the granaries and fed people. The Bible speaks about him. And Pharaoh putting them second in charge. The Proverbs antithetical contrast again. Verse 27, "...he who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil." The godly person having good intentions will be accepted by God as well as by people. But trouble will come to the one intending to seek evil by men who find him out and by God for sure. When someone has good intentions and things do not work out the way they expect, people are gracious and honorable to that because they see his heart as intention. But when someone's scamming them, that's a whole different matter. Again, the proverb is antithetical here, contrast. Verse 28, he who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So the person trusting in his riches will be devastated when they are gone. Riches have wings, we'll come across that proverb. Riches are very uncertain. While the righteous will blossom, trusting God for what he has provided, you're a steward. You live within your means. You thank God for what you have. Your priorities of what you buy, how you buy, what you spend are so different than when we were in the world. Trying to impress in the world. Trying to have everything everybody else has or whatever it may be in competition. That should never be for a Christian. Verse 29, he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. And the fool will be servant to the wise heart. A wise of heart. So a person who does not manage his own house well, or by perhaps as the head, risking, taking big risks that are unwise, will destroy his home financially and security of his home. And he'll end up being a servant to someone else. In those days, you would sell yourself off to pay a debt. For six years, the seven they let you loose. The proverb is completive here. Verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So the person who is living for God is a great instrument to benefit others, and the person who wins souls for the kingdom is very, very wise. Read Psalm 1. Daniel says the same thing. Those who win souls are wise. The proverb is completive here. Verse 31, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. God will reward the righteous on earth as well as the ungodly according to their evil. And certainly at the judgment, that will be absolutely sure. The proverb is a completive one. And so, this is a sample of the Proverbs we will cover, two chapters at a time. They're, uh, they're very instructive. They don't really go out of date. Some of the things with the harvest and stuff like that, it just, the principle gets carried over to work. Um, but they're, they're God's word, not man's Proverbs. These are the ones that God gave to Solomon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your loving goodness. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, you continue to deal with our hearts as we study your word, and Lord, we lift up the body here in Pasadena, that you would just pour out your spirit on us, your wisdom for the day that we live in, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're here, maybe you're over the internet, If you believe Jesus is God who became man, died for your sins, and rose from the dead, then the Bible says that God can forgive you if you call on his name. All of us miss the mark. All of us have a sin nature. And unless we repent of our sins, Jesus said we will never see the kingdom of God. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We don't deserve it. But he gives it to us freely if we agree that he was the payment of sin on the cross. And as he rose from the dead, that payment was accepted. And that he's the only one that can forgive of my sins. If this is you and you want to accept the Lord, this is a very simple prayer. As you ask God to forgive you and to make you his child. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.